Hi, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Welcome to Billy Joel A to Z as today we tackle our final Billy Joel R song, Running on Ice. Running on Ice kicks off Billy Joel's 10th studio album entitled The Bridge, released on July 9, 1986. This song appears absolutely nowhere else on any other album, cover, or compilation. It's as if it never existed. <laughs> as if it was erased from existence is that doc brown yes thank you so much for getting it too uh yes this song is strange no one ever refers to it no one ever talks about it but it exists it is on the bridge and that would probably tell you where our rankings are going to land alan altman where do you think christopher bananos puts running on ice the let's, legendary song off the bridge. Let's say 111. It is at 108. You are completely correct. <laughs> I'll just say you are. I mean, if Jesus, if you're three off, that's pretty good. He uh, just says petulance on parade. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he says a, a kind of a perfect quote, but the song's ultimately a less interesting pressure. And it's probably, as you see in the research, too, a lot of people are calling it pressure part two. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, Glenn Gamboa ranks it at 96, so nobody really cares for it. The fans rank it a little higher at 64. That's, that's not a little higher. That's a lot higher. I guess it is a lot higher. You know, I haven't heard this song in a long, long time, but I absolutely know it. I knew it very well. And I have like a story behind it in my mind in the sense of, first of all, in re-listening to this song and playing it a few times before we spoke today, I really enjoyed it. It was fun to listen to again. It, it, it's not a normal Billy Joel song. It doesn't sound like a Billy Joel song. It's an odd Billy Joel cataloged song, but I really did enjoy it. I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it you know, enough where I did enjoy listening to it. But I can't imagine listening to it in a compilation of when I sit down to listen to Billy Joel songs. Yeah, it's jarring. You're listening to like some sweet Billy Joel and then all of a sudden running on ice starts hitting you with that frantic energy. Yeah. I feel like you probably like it because you have nostalgia for 1986 and this song sounds exactly like 1986. Yes, exactly. So 
Yes, you're absolutely right. So here's the story behind running on ice. When I think about the bridge and 1986, I guess I was right out of school. We're sitting there waiting three years for a new Billy Joel album besides the greatest hits one. I mean, he had two, at least he had two new songs off the greatest hits one. So I kept it going a little bit, but we're waiting for the new Billy Joel album. Me and Danny Vermont, we all know from the show, we went to college together. We're waiting for the new Billy Joel album. I believe Modern Woman had come out and we knew it was off the new Billy Joel album, but we were waiting to see what single was going to be released off the new Billy Joel album. And I was, I believe, selling bras and girdles to all the Macy's around Long Island, Jersey, Delaware, Maryland. I was a traveling salesman. Uh, that's what my dad did. And I was just uh, helping him out during the summer when I got home from uh, college or whatever it was and somehow ended up in Dover, New Jersey, which had this awesome radio station called 105.5 WDHA, which was an awesome rock station. Of course, now you would consider it 80s rock because they were playing the rock and roll of the time, which was whatever we consider 80s rock these days. And I remember they played they're like, oh, this is all, this is the new Billy Joel song. And they played Running on Ice. And I was in the car and I'm like, oh, my God, this song is amazing. <laughs> because, you know, you were waiting three years. And I, I think I had heard Modern Woman. I, I can't remember how it went, but they just said this is the new one off the Billy Joel album, whereas Modern Woman was clearly from the movie and it was different. And I was so excited because the song is it's good, especially if you're driving. It's exciting. You know, the way it starts out and it starts out with piano, of course. So, of course, you like it. And there's a lot of good stuff about it. So I remember I got home and I called my friend Danny and I'm like, so do you know the first song off the Billy Joel album? And he's like, yeah, I know it. We were trying to top each other like we were a bigger Billy Joel fan than the next guy, even though he's much more of a Billy Joel fan. I said, oh, oh, you've you've already heard. He's like, so what is it? He goes, uh. You know, it's uh, he, he didn't know what it was and he might have said something <laughs> else. And I said, no, it's running on ice. Oh, you haven't heard that yet because the album wasn't available yet. I think, it, you know, maybe they played it a day before the album came out. So maybe it was the first of July. This was released on July 9th. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I felt privileged to have heard the new Billy Joel song before anybody else. And like, oh, it's called running on ice now. Meanwhile, that song went nowhere. It was never heard from again. And as we know now, the first single technically released off the album is a matter of trust. So I was completely wrong. <laughs> but I was so excited to hear the new Billy Joel song and be like the first person to have heard it. Because a lot of the um, radio stations, I guess they'd get the album before the actual single sometimes so they could just play whatever they wanted off of it. And I do like the fact that it kicked off the album. And I will tell you this other thing before I before I let you. And I'm sorry, I'm speaking so long, but it's like, I guess I've been waiting to do this song because like there was this backstory about this song, which is silly. Yeah, which no one has. No one else has a backstory. For no, this song no one else has you. a running on ice backstory. So <laughs> the weird part was like, you know, again, I was surprised it never went anywhere because I really liked it. And they never played it again on the radio ever again, because it was then it was all about a matter of trust. And then it continued from there. And that stupid uh, big man on Mulberries and that horrible baby grand. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I went to the concert. I went to the bridge concert, you know, in 1986, 87, whatever it was. And he definitely opened 
with running on ice, which was interesting. And quite frankly, I can see him opening with running on ice at a concert even today. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it was an opening song for a reason. It's got some fun energy to it. I like when it goes when it goes like, I gotta run, 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 run. You know, it gets like dramatic. Oh. And it, yeah, like a Bond theme. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I like when it gets exciting like that. I like the fast piano. I'm I'm surprised at that point he was doing another fast piano song after doing Angry Young Man and uh, the other stuff we've heard. Uh, what what's the one off Cold Spring Harbor that's like that too? Uh, Everybody loves you now. Right, right. But you gotta love it. He I think that this is probably the last fast played keyboard song that he ever did. Right? Wouldn't you say? Maybe it could be. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that was quick like this really yeah exactly and I, and then i keep thinking to myself and, and here's the other thing too with that bridge documentary it's so funny they talk about every song out the album except this one <laughs> i mean they clearly just didn't like this song i guess and that but they end the documentary with this song playing it over the credits but they never talk about this song and i think they talked about every song i mean how do you do a documentary on an album with nine songs on it and you miss one. And it's the opening track. It's not just some song in the middle. It's the right. opening track. Yeah, it's so strange. And then uh, when he was talking about how there was another interview I saw with him. You've, you've probably seen it before. We forgot. And I know it's called The Bridge and it's supposed to be The Bridge. But he said this was a connecting album between An Innocent Man and Stormfront. I, I don't understand how he already knew he was going to do Stormfront. And then what? Do, what is this? Just a filler album? Is that what you're telling us? Which clearly we've decided it pretty much is. I think most of the people that are fans of this podcast and um, you know fans of Billy Joel in general admit that the bridge is not everybody's favorite album. Yeah, definitely not. I'm not. You're not going to hear anyone except maybe someone like you who has like a personal connection to that album when it came out who would say that this is their favorite. Yeah, but I, but I don't, I mean, besides Modern Woman and Running on Ice, I don't like the rest of the songs on the album. Yeah. And those two songs, I think, sound kind of similar to me. Like Modern Woman comes out, you know, ahead of the album. And then this song is the first one you hear on the album. You would think this whole album is going to be really frantic and like fast and quick. And the rest of it really isn't like that. So uh, it's kind of strange. The whole thing is really strange to me. Like why, you know, this is the first song that comes out after his like marriage to Christy Brinkley. And it's, again, about him being under immense pressure and, like, not being happy. You'd think it would be a happy song. That's an excellent point. I didn't even think about that. You're absolutely right. This is his first song. Now he's married to Christy Brickley. And you're right. It's another song like, oh, man, being married to so much pressure. Right? I feel like I'm <laughs> running on ice, caught in a vice. Oh, my God. You're absolutely right. But um, the other thing you said, too, which is interesting, is that Modern Woman and this song, which I guess is why I like the two, are very similar in their 80s feel about them and the rest of the album is like that when we always talk about billy joel songs being quite timeless where you just don't know what decade they could have been written in there's certainly maybe there's two or three songs off the stranger that sound like they were recorded in the 70s as we've talked about but most of them you don't know what decade they decade they could have been recorded in you know it's he's timeless but these two songs were clearly made in the 80s yeah, just like so much synthesizer going on and the way the drums are. And, and Liberty's great. The drums are great in the song. Yeah, yeah. No, but it definitely right. feels 
80s for sure. It's just, everything about it. It feels like a, a police song. It absolutely does. And so when I'm listening to the song again, and I never thought about this, and then, of course, doing the research, everybody said, oh, my God, it's just like the police. So it completely sounds like uh, what are the from Ghost in the Machine. Uh, oh, I, you know what? It sounds like spirits in the material world. That's it. But yes, uh, I'd never seen the comparison before. And then when I was listening to it, knowing we were going to talk about it, I'm like, boy, this really sounds like the police. And then everybody wrote and all the research were like, wow, it's very much like synchronicity police. But they say synchronicity, but it sounds a little like the it's it's a combination of the song synch- synchronicity two. two. What? what? Yeah. Synchronicity two is what this two, reminds right. me of. Yeah. And then and then uh, spirits in the material world There's a little piece of it that also is very. Uh, spirits in the material world as well. So a little combination. And, you know, he he had said, I was thinking of Sting when I wrote this, which of course is so clear. And this is after, you know, Sting was already finished with this kind of music by, by then, you know, this is going back to 1983 Sting. By this time, Sting was already doing his jazz fusion stuff. So it's kind of odd in 1985 when this is being recorded to be thinking of 1983 Sting or 1982 Sting, or 1981 Sting, which is the Ghost of the Machine. But I don't know whether you know this, but Sting, Billy Joel, and Don Henley were talking about forming a supergroup. Yeah, the, I saw that. You did see that, yeah. So I actually, I, I was obviously glad I heard that, but I wasn't surprised because I saw the three of them in concert in 1991. Uh, it was called, I think, um, oh, I don't remember. Oh, uh, the concert for Walden Woods. It was in October of 1991. I remember we went because, I mean, that's all my guys together. Yeah. It couldn't have been a more perfect concert. I had to get the tickets. I worshipped Don Henley at that time. Absolutely worshipped him. And uh, obviously loved Billy Joel, whatever he did. And loved Sting. It was a great concert. And Billy did started with We Didn't Start the Fire, then Allentown, then Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. If you do those three, he did more after that, but it wasn't necessary to do any more after that. <laughs> I, I found the set list. You're exactly right. Oh, yeah. But I remember it in my head. I'll tell you what he did. So this is October 21st and 22nd of 1991. So it was two shows. He did We Didn't Start the Fire, Allentown, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant, The Longest Time. My life, New York State of Mind. I go to extremes. You may be right. Only the good die young. First encore, he did Big Shot and Miami 2017. And then encore two, Piano Man. Encore two, the nerve of this guy when you're on with two other guys. But uh, <laughs> I guess I remember because then, you know, I go to extremes or like, oh, Jesus Christ, and the longest time, not necessary. The, I remember the first three because, you know, we're sitting there, it's, it's blowing my mind. You know, I mean, it's blowing yeah. my mind. And then I know Don Henley did uh, Heart of the Matter, and I think he did Hotel California. So, I mean, what a what a show, right? That just encompasses everything anyone's yeah. ever wanted in music. And I remember Sting's encore was Message in a Bottle, which I was confused about because I thought that was a bad encore. <laughs> yeah, no, not good energy on that song. 
Right. But I remember that concert and it just being overwhelmed with seriously mind, you know, that blew my mind. <laughs> That's an interesting set list for Billy. Uh, I, I would like to see that at Madison Square Garden tomorrow. <laughs> that opening. So really, we could just walk out. We could do what we did. I uh, do it. Uh, Paul Lawrence. They could just get up and Billy Joel's like, sit down. There's more. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna play more stuff off Innocent Man you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down, Jessica. <laughs> yeah, here comes careless talk for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sit down, Jessica. <laughs> oh, but that was so great. I assume you saw him do this live in 2015 at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it's awful. Oh, my God. Right. It's so bad. I think he misses the lyrics. I don't know if he missed. I mean, he's obviously reading them because they're complicated lyrics, but he just sounds bad. His voice is bad. The chorus, even which he should be able to nail, sounds bad. The backup singers sound bad. The band doesn't even sound good. They're like at different time with each other. In a world of high resolution, most people's motives are ulterior. It's it was uh, that's why he never played it again after that. Well, 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 hold on a second. Did you let it play out? Did you listen to the ending? I listened to the ending also what he said. So you know what I'm saying? So then he thought it went OK. He did the hand motion like so, so. And then he said, um, OK, maybe I, we'll keep it. No, he said he at the he said, OK, maybe we'll keep it. Maybe we'll shoot it. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Maybe we'll shoot it. Yes, he had both. But he said, OK, maybe we'll keep it. And then he flip flopped. But clearly in his mind, it went better than the audience reaction or what I guess we saw where it did not work for God knows what reason. It looks like they probably didn't even practice it. But again, you have to question yourself. That's 2015 at MSG. I assume that's during the residency, but I'm not. When did the residency start? Do you know, I think it was 2014. Okay. So this was early in the residency, early in the residency. I just don't understand why there aren't more things like this. Why don't we try this? I am surprised that that he gets so upset if everybody's not all on board for running on ice. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm just surprised he even tried it at all. I wonder whose suggestion that was to throw of all songs to throw that one out there. I'll give you the live stats on this thing. Yeah, um, what, what are they? I mean, and don't you dare do the 1986 stuff again. No, I'm kidding. But what I mean, was it ever played after the, like after Stormfront? Was it ever played again? No, not even. I mean, it's it's been played four times total ever. So there's the 2015, wow. the 2015 that we've seen. And then he played it in the first three shows of the 1986 tour. And what's kind of funny to, when you look at where it got played in each show. So the first one, which might have been the one you went to. He played it very as a very first song. This was okay. So it wasn't crazy. I didn't look that. I just remember him opening with that. It was at the Glen Falls Civic Center. Where's that? Glen Falls, New York. Wait, no, I saw it at the Garden. Well, no, no, I didn't. Maybe wait. Uh, wait, wait. Did I? Could you have seen it in Philadelphia at the Spectrum? No, no way. So you're saying he? What I saw, he didn't open with that then. No, if you didn't go to Glen Falls, New York to see a show, this is apparently what happened. He played it first at Glen Falls. The next show in Providence, Rhode Island, he played it second. And then the next show at Philadelphia, he played it third. And then he just took it out completely. Do you think it's possible that 
I saw a different tour, like the Stormfront tour, and he possibly opened it with there. No, it's impossible, right? You're saying he was never played again. Yeah, the set lists from this era are pretty complete, I think, online. So I don't think that I'm missing any shows here. No, then maybe I'm I'm completely wrong. I guess I, geez, I could swear. I'm sure I saw. Maybe I didn't see that tour. Maybe I, I know I saw Stormfront, right? Maybe I you got confused with Modern Woman. He might have opened with Modern Woman. No, I, I could have sworn he opened with Running on Ice. I told you I'm obsessed with Running on Ice in a very strange way. So it is. I mean, I was right about everything else. I remembered what he played in 1991. I'm surprised that uh, that I got that wrong. So if you saw him, you think it was at MSG that you saw him? I'm assuming it could have been in Boston. Uh, I don't remember. I, I would go to see him at different places, but mostly, obviously, MSG. Yeah. So he was opening with uh, a matter of trust. Yeah, maybe that's, you know what? And, and then pressure. So maybe you heard the real pressure and thought it was the second. <laughs> no, you know what? If he was opening with a matter of trust, and this is what we were talking about before. Think of the balls on this guy. That's his current hit. And he opened with it. Maybe that's what I was thinking in my mind, the opening. And I was thinking of the opening song to the bridge or something like that. And thinking the balls on this guy opening with his hit. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. No one else does that. He opened with his current radio hit. That's unheard of because he has yeah. so many other things. And that's only in 1986. Right. He had no reason to save it for later. <laughs> yeah. No reason. And he even knew it, I guess. That's a shitty song to open with, too. Maybe that's why I put in my head it was running on ice because I was like, eh, I don't like the opening of this. I don't like the way this thing's going. Yeah, open with a matter of trust. That's like slow and kind of dull. But he because he can stand up front. He's not behind the piano. He can yeah, get up there with play his guitar. The guitar. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I really don't like that song. So my favorite memory of this song is from The Office. Uh, because they use this song in an episode of The Office where Michael Scott has like an action movie that he's been creating and they, they show you scenes from this terrible action movie. It's like a mixture of James Bond and, and Schwarzenegger and all these kind of things. And there's a scene where it's like a training montage like you would see in Rocky where he's learning how to ice skate to, to play ice hockey. And so, of course, because he's on ice, they play Running on Ice, oh. which is such a stupid montage song because it just doesn't fit at all with the mood you want. And so like on point to be called Running on Ice and he's literally running on ice. Oh, um, and then they also use pressure a couple times within that fake movie as well. Really? Yeah. So I guess the Michael Scott character was a really big Billy Joel fan. And then pressure two. Yeah. This song. Yeah. Like you said about the also some of the lyrics are um, they're not great. <laughs> it's not a classic Billy Joel lyrical piece. Yeah, it's just uh, it's one of these songs and he does this a few times where it's just got big words mixed together, hard to sing, hard to remember. I'm a cosmopolitan sophisticate of culture and intelligence, the culmination of technology and civilized experience. Damn. Like what is he thinking there? I could never understand why the urban attitude is so superior. <laughs> <laughs> Strange lyrics. You know, sometimes people will talk about how they don't like in uh, Allentown, that line, they threw an American flag in our face, like right. just the way it sounds when he's singing it. And this song is full of that. Oh, that's a good point. Well, I guess that's why Christopher Bonanos almost put it at the very, very bottom, because he's the one who hates the American flag in her face. So good call on that. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yeah, you know, we were talking about supergroups and 
boy, wouldn't that have been something else if Billy Joel Sting and Don Henley recorded an album? You know, that would be something else, especially like the Traveling Wilburys or something. You know, that would be so fun. You would one would think it would be awesome and it would be one of our because it's amazing that the Traveling Wilburys recorded two and they're really good. You get all those guys in a room. You think like, come on, this has got to be a train wreck. But it was so entertaining. Yeah. And boy, that would have been fun. But one of Billy's heroes he got to work with on this album kind of formed the original supergroup in 1969. Who am I talking about? Is it Ray Charles? No, it is not Ray Charles. What supergroup was he in? It was him <laughs> and the Diet Coke singers. <laughs> the Raisins? <laughs> the California no, those raisins. ladies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. You got that right one, baby. <laughs> no, it was not them. Okay, so Steve Winwood. Yes, Steve Winwood. And Blind Faith? Correct. One of the original, possible original supergroup combined from multiple bands. Yes, Steve Winwood is the correct answer. And that's why you would think like, well, I'm going to form a supergroup too. Because he likes to do everything his heroes do. And remember, since George Harrison was also in a supergroup, I'm surprised he didn't go for it all. Yeah, he should have got Paul McCartney to do one with him. Oh, my God. Sting, Don Henley, Billy Joel, and Paul McCartney. That would have been sick. It could still Damn. happen. They're all still alive and touring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's too bad it Billy Joel has given up. <laughs> yeah. oh, you're right. That could still happen. Damn it. Ugh. Boy, I sure would like to have seen that. Well, Elon, do you have a trivia question for me? I do. Um, so in this song, one of the lines he says is slipping and sliding, running on ice. So yeah. my trivia question refers to the slip and slide. Uh, everyone's favorite toy. Yes. Okay. So Whammo, the company that makes <laughs> the, the slip and slide, sued to have a scene where David Spade gets injured on a slip and slide removed from what 2003 David Spade movie? It's not grown ups. No. Joe Dirt? No. <laughs> Black Sheep? Yeah, a little later than that. Damn. I'm just uh, making you go through the whole IMDb of David Spade right well, now. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't really know that many David Spade movies. I I have no idea. Okay, so this is a scene in Dickie Roberts, former child star. Oh, you know, I think I was getting Joe Dirt and Dickie Roberts mixed up. They're right next to each other, I think, in his filmography. How is that movie? Do you, have you ever seen it? I've never seen either. I, of them. I've seen certain parts of it. It's 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 good. I like David Spade, so I find it funny. But yeah, it, I it's too. Not a classic. Isn't that interesting? He's uh, even if his movies are good, he's he's funny. <laughs> he's always been really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should see that Dickie Roberts movie, especially. Oh, but there's no slip and slide scene in it. No, I don't know how that resolved. I think they tried. They sued to get it removed, but I get the feeling that they did not win that suit and that it stayed in the movie. Does he like fall into like a trash can or something? I mean, yeah, he just gets like severely injured, but he like never inflates it. He doesn't oh. use it correctly. Right. But right. Seems so obvious. For a long time now, slip and slide has been approved only for the use of children. They, they make it very clear that you can't if you're a teenager or an adult, you should not be using it because you're more likely to injure your neck. It is the greatest. And uh, I believe they use it in Jackass forever. I could imagine some version of it must be in but, that. I haven't right. Seen but it. it might it might not be water. 
I can't remember. I saw the movie and now I can't remember because there's so many, so much nonsense in it. You know, it's still yeah. Really it's, gonna, it's like it's like <laughs> lubricated with semen or blood or something exactly. awful. Exactly, and you feel like an idiot for laughing out loud, but I cannot help myself. It's funny every time. I can't imagine a woman watching it at all. <laughs> yeah, it's just for us. It really is. <laughs> I think what it, was it my sister or my niece that were like, but I don't understand what is so funny about getting hit in the balls. And I'm like, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's it's not funny. That's I guess that's what makes it funny. It's really painful. <laughs> you're just happy it's not you. And you're just laughing at this person's misfortune. I guess. I was thinking of the one scene in Jackass. I don't know if it was one or two where one of them had to put his penis into a snake pit. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. And they redo <laughs> that in this one, too. They love doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And he has it bitten by a snake, right? The snake <laughs> latches onto it. Oh. Yeah, well, it's like wrapped up with something, so it's not just there. Oh, alone. it's so hard to watch. It's so difficult to watch. That guy has put his penis through a lot of stuff. That's not normal. No, it's not. <laughs> Chris Pontius. Chris Pontius, yes. Party Pontius. Boy. Party Boy is my favorite character. Me too. I was just doing it the other day to uh, to sort of like put my hands up in the air doing the party. Boy. That's the only way I can dance at a party. I have to start <laughs> party boying someone. Party Boy is the best. <laughs> So I am going to be very impressed if you have a parody for this one. This has got to be fast and furious. I don't even know how you're going to tackle this one. What do you have for us today? Okay, so my Weird Alon parody is called Run Out of Rice. (laughs) Stupid, but brilliant. (laughs) All right, here we go. I got Chinese food, but the rice they gave me was only one tiny box. My girlfriend took more than half of it, and now I'm in a state of shock. Oh, tonight I feel I'm going to run out of rice. I'll be taking my bites all wrong. Can't eat Chinese food if I run out of rice. Don't want plain egg foo young. I got to ration every bite. Oh, ration every bite. Oh, Run out of rice. (laughs) Hey, now. (laughs) Well, that was impressive as hell. I guarantee you anybody that does parodies somehow professionally would never be able to do a parody to running on ice. Definitely not the whole song. It is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's really funny. And he even went to the my favorite parts. I couldn't skip that part. It's exciting. Yeah. That was Running on Ice. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Do you hear the police similarities? Would you have liked to see the Billy Joel Supergroup? What do you think about that awful 2015 live performance? And have you ever been injured on a slip and slide? If so, please call Whites in Luxembourg. <laughs> because <laughs> you might be able to be part of a class action settlement. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z.
<laughs> Thank you. Okay, maybe we'll keep it. Maybe we'll shoot it.